James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. Welcome back, listeners, to episode 32 of Freedom Ocean, your favourite internet marketing podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Reed, and that right there is... James Shramko. G'day, mate. How you going? Good, good. It's been a long time between drinks out on the ocean. It has, but too long (laughs) from my point of view. Correct. And I take, uh, but there was a couple of false starts. Um, I've been trying to do, we, we say we can podcast from anywhere. You can podcast from anywhere where you've got an internet connection. And um, uh, one false start was me relying on my hotspot, my personal hotspot on my iPhone, which I absolutely love, but the Skype connection wasn't quite up to it. And uh, a couple of other false starts in what has been a pretty hot summer in Australia in January, which has required me to be down on the Freedom Ocean, in the Freedom Ocean, more than in front of my computer. Unlike you, who just happened to tell me before we hit the uh, record button that you've made a significant amount of money in the last four weeks while I've been getting a tan, James. Well, we were talking about momentum and yeah. I think I think we hinted about this in the last episode we recorded that whilst you know, a lot of people have um, a big downtime over that Christmas January thing and then they go back to the coalface and get into the big the work thing and you watch the general population go through that behaviour. Whereas in my case, I have a more uh, consistent approach, sort of little bits of work and a little, little bits of play during the day every day. So I've had a pretty good routine. To ask you there, so do you, do you have play during the day? Oh, um, yeah. we, we used to record these shows face-to-face and I'd get up there and I'd, you know, we'd get in the spaceship and I would see the Shremco residents in action. But um, my, my perception um, of you is that you love to get your sleep, you sleep in, but then you get up and you work your ring off until you go to bed. So am I right or wrong? No, that's not that's not entirely correct. I do sleep in, that's true. And I have little mini breaks during the day. So pretty much every day up until today, I've played PlayStation with my kids. I've um, watched my daughter lunging the horse around the round yard. I've um, taken the kids out on trips to magician shows and stuff. So it's been school holidays, so there's been a lot of kid stuff. But we sort of base around as if this was like a holiday house and we do little activities. And then I do, I chip away at at work in little lumps. So I would generally attend a daily meeting with my team, which is around lunchtime, because they're about three hours behind me. It's perfect for me. I sleep in, have coffee, attend the daily meeting, set the business up for the day. And then I've got some downtime. So that's the time when I would go and get a haircut or go to the bank or uh, have a... Haircut? You haven't got any hair. I do. They charge a search fee, but I still have hair. (laughs) And um, have the board of directors meeting with Janelle every day, my wife. We sit down with a coffee and we talk about the business, the the month, uh, the products, our direction, our strategy. So I get to bounce ideas. So what role does Janelle have? Is she like a... Uh, a sounding board that um, knows a lot about the actual intricacies of the business, or just someone who gets a sense of what what you what you what you're into and what you're not into. She knows a lot about a lot. She's she's the quiet type. She won't talk too much, but 
she knows all the people relating to our business. She knows the, the numbers, the strategy, but it's not her passion and it's not something she's engaged in daily. She's just observing. And so she works from her little office is near my little office and I'll get her to come and check a blog post before I publish it if I want to, you know, a little spell check and, a, and just a double check that I'm on the right plane. And together we make decisions. So when we changed our SEO teams across, she was instrumental in that, that massive move. Uh, so I guess her main role is as a co-director in the business to ensure that we're plotting the right charts and making, you know, when we make massive decisions, we do them together and then we, you know, even down to price points, what's a fair price for this or who's our target market? She really does know a lot about that stuff, but she would never let on. She's she's also busy helping out with all the other parts of the business that I don't do, uh, in particular, uh, kids' school lunches and stuff and uh, mm-hmm. and looking after the, the household uh, pets and things. That, that's her area of interest. I guess getting back to that idea of um, we were talking about, you know, momentum and you do lose it. You know, I made a conscious decision sort of late last year, late, late, late December, where I said, you know what, the last couple of weeks of December and January, I'm not going to work as hard. And, you know, I, I've enjoyed some really good quality family time and, had you know, we went away with the boy, my boys. And, in fact, the last podcast we did was when I was out on, on the road uh, with my boys and that was good and been doing other stuff. But now that I'm back, um, the momentum's been lost and it is hard to um, regain it. So um, different working styles, clearly. Yeah, and, and I think when you work from home, like I do, you see, I'm not going out to, I'm not doing client workshops, I'm not doing consulting, I'm not doing appointments. I very rarely need to leave the house. I see a lot of my kids and my family. Mm. My wife's here all day, every day, mm-hmm. and my kids are here in the morning and at night. I don't often see them in the morning, but I definitely see them when school comes home, which is about now, and mm-hmm. I'll see them until bedtime. So, There'll be there'll be some Call of Duty gaming, I'm sure. There'll be some yeah. There'll be some people to kill and. Uh... I, I basically <laughs> tend to have the afternoon off, and then I'll pick up again after dinner for a few hours. That's my 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 absolute prime time is between twelve and three, and then between ten and midnight. That's my they're my two main slots of activity during the day. Yeah, it's, it's interesting being able to listen to your body clock. I, I don't know what it is, but having worked in corporate for so long, and so did you, um, even now, having been out of that jungle for six years, I still, um, I don't know, I still feel a commitment to go to my office from sort of not, not nine to five, but, you know, work regular hours. And um, Well, you've been trained to do that since school. I mean, school's yeah. sort of like invented to train people to be <laughs> factory workers in textile mills. Yeah. And yeah. It, it teaches that control and that you go here for this amount of time and then go back. And they measure the wrong things too. They talk, they, they're measuring activities instead of learning outcomes. And, and I think if you, if, you wanted, if you want a different outcome than what you're getting now, which it sounds like, then maybe you want to question a lot of your assumptions. Why do you do that? Why is that important to you? Could it be done a different way? Because that's, that's a big part of my business is innovation and, and challenging assumptions and saying, well, why, why, can, why can't I make a million dollars a year? Why can't I make $10 million a year? 
And why can't I do it from home without having to have an office or drive away from my family for the day? I'm pretty mm. sure that I can rearrange things or strategize or systemize or leverage things to be able to get into that position. And that's sort of the, the fun of it for me. One of the things I, I find, and I know a lot of our listeners find and people I talk to is um, it just comes back to saying no to stuff, you know, because um, if you're a small business owner, if you're a service business owner, if you're a consultant, you know, drilling right down, then you, some of us have this mentality that, you know, a bird in the hand's worth two in the bush. So you take the opportunities when they're there um, instead of putting like you do that filter over things and, and very quickly saying yes or no to them. Well, that, I mean, take my example of having a job. That For most people, that's the bird in the hand. And for me, that was a massive inconvenience. So it's, it's all about perspective. And the way that I got perspective was seeing other people doing better things with their time. And, and here's the thing. You hear people say, I don't have time. This is quite a common thing. But that same person will sit on their ass for three or four hours straight watching the latest Today Tonight or Biggest Loser show. I mean, tell me that's not time that could be better spent developing, your, uh, designing your life, you know, creating a, an ideal scenario and then putting in the work to get a better future by doing the work now that's boring or difficult. That's what I think. It ultimately comes down to lack of knowledge or lack of lack of effort and uh, it, I guess a lot of people came up to you, would be lazy. Let's, let's, use the, let's use the Martian, you know, the, the, the Martian example. So Martian comes down to earth looking for a job, um, doesn't, doesn't have any preconceived ideas, hasn't been conditioned by uh, human schools and says to you, okay, uh, I've got to start a business. Um, uh, I want a pretty good lifestyle. I want one of these lifestyles. I'm seeing a whole lot of humans kind of scooting around on boats and driving nice cars and going on holidays and things. Um, what would you say to them? What are the three things that you would say to that Martian? Well, what type of lifestyle do you want? So like, to get a sense of, of where you're pitching at. <laughs> do you want the, <laughs> yep. the, the eight-foot rubber blow-up dinghy or do you want a 65-foot cruiser? No, no. In fact, it won't even be that. It'll be just because Freedom Ocean was always named based on this concept of having the freedom to choose. So it's not about how big's the boat or how big's the car or how long's the holiday. It's just the Martian wants the freedom to choose Okay. Uh, well, basically, life. Martian's going to need to reduce compromise. That, that's, that's the goal. Reduce compromise yep. as much as possible. One way that we know how to do that is to make more money uh, mm -hmm. without, on our terms, and that's the important part. You can make more money but work yourself to death. But if you want to make money with a reasonable modicum of lifestyle, then mm -hmm. it's all about how much value can you create for other people and how many people can you create it for. They're the, they're the main metrics. You'll be wealthy to the extent that you can create value for as many people as, as possible. Love that. And the Martian could create a lot of value because everyone, everyone would be interested in what life on Mars is like. But Yeah, there's different ways ridiculous. to create value. The Martian could go to McDonald's <laughs> yep. and offer a, a low amount of value serving fries and burgers. It's not that hard, you know, it's easy to learn. It's probably not enjoyable, but it's not that hard, so you don't get paid so much. You know, there's no, you're not putting your balls on the line so much. 
or the Martian could be an entrepreneur, which means that they're they're sort of trying to you know gather and and uh, manage opportunities with assets that they don't necessarily control. So there's a lot more risk and fun involved in that one. And um, but there's also the potential to create much more value. It's more leveraged with the big payoff. So that's that's the world that we sort of dwell in a little bit more, where we're mm-hmm. master of our own destiny. And the goal is to continually put products out there and and services and solutions. If you want to call them solutions? That's nice. Problem solving, and mm-hmm. to learn what we can about how that delivers value to the customer, and then to ramp up the good things and just keep keep uh, leveraging it. Or as the as the lean startup guy would say, you know, pivot or persevere, you know, and just keep doing it. And that's what I've been doing with my business, especially since Christmas to now. I've been really refining my business and and scaling certain areas of it and getting fantastic results. You did, uh, I'm I'm still plotting my way through Steve Jobs' biography and I'm sure you've read it and are applying it because there's a lot of similarities. Um, How's that for a compliment? But um, one of the things I saw, mate, in uh, in just a recent chapter that I read was where Jobs came into Apple and saw all those, you know, that second time round and saw all the product lines that he had and he drew a simple matrix which from memory had um, desktop, laptop, consumer, business person. And he said, we want a product for each of those four quadrants. And that was it. That was Apple going into the future. And he kind of just got rid of all the other stuff. Yep. And That's exactly uh, what, what I – and, you know, before I heard about Steve Jobs, we were doing that with with uh, our marketing in, in car dealerships. And, and we understood about, you know, a, a different model appeals to a different demographic. You have SLs, which are for hedonists. And then you have uh, the M class, which is for the family SUV, the sports. Who's the A class for? Out of interest, who'd they say the A class was for? They didn't know when it came out, and I was no, still uh, don't. I sold the most A classes of anybody in the country, and that's because I would quickly learn the demographics. There was mm-hmm. the gay people, and there was the uh, the people who valued safety but lived in small places. So like. Um, elderly people with retirees with lots of money could afford a more expensive small car but had small unit spaces to park in. And then I would map out those demographics and start finding more people just like them. And that was that was a really interesting experiment because I wasn't constrained. But I did learn one thing about an A-class buyer. Yeah, what? Because it was so unusual and so different, the best advocate in the world for an A-class is someone who just stumped up $40,000 for one. So word of mouth referral was far more interesting with an A-class than all the other models because those people had to defend their decision to everyone at the next barbecue <laughs> or the dinner party. Why the hell would you spend 40000 for that weird-looking thing? Because yeah. it was yeah. quite weird when it came out. Very. And they, they had to defend it. So you listen very carefully when they're defending their purchasing decision and then you use those arguments back in the sales process. How did you embed, because word of mouth's great, but how did you actually become the call to action for that word of mouth? Well, you actually follow up the customer after the purchase and there's a novel idea that a lot of companies forget about. And you'd say, Tim, how's your A-class going? And you'd say, it's great. And you say, who have you told about it? And you'd say, oh, well, my next door neighbour was interested. So do you mind introducing us? And so you can basically leverage that network of that person by being interested in them and following up and asking the questions. 
getting back to that concept um, of so you you weeded out you weeded out a lot of stuff out of your business um, in December. You've had a great January. Um, do you put that down to that just really um, probably for want of a better word harsh focus that you've you've given it? Yeah, I've had a lot more clarity in everything that we do. Uh, I'm using a process that I call wealthification. I know we've mentioned that before, but it is um, putting my business up onto a spreadsheet and and um, you know going to the market with the minimum viable product, learning from it, and then refining the the model. So now we can actually map out which products we sell, who do we sell them to, how how much does it cost us on a fixed and variable cost to supply that? So the cost of goods sold and what happens when we scale that, when we introduce more marketing or when we change the product prices and how many people do we need to deliver that product in 30 days, in 15 days, in five days? And then we actually, we can work out whether we're growing or whether we're shrinking. How many of those people are repeat buyers? How many people buy all of our products? So that's a little bit like the Steve Jobs thing you know that with my model, I put my business in a circle and I put the customer in the centre of that circle and that customer may deal with many parts of of our business like the segments of a pie. And again, I learnt that from the car dealership. The same customer will deal with service, will deal with sales, will deal with finance, will deal with parts and they'll work their way around each part of the business. It's the same customer. I even did a document on this in 1998 called One Customer. That's, that is the first memory I have of identifying that all the different parts of the dealership were dealing with the same person, but they always treated it like separate silos and, um, and they had this fierce competition. And I said, but you've got the same customer, share the customer, introduce them to each other. And that's a concept I brought to my own business and that's what's been working well for us because we supply software, education, services and, um, and information products. So that same customer, probably a lot of our podcast customers are customers of many parts of my business. So we're working out how can we accelerate that exposure to the other parts of the business and when we learn something in one part of our business, we transfer it across to the other. So things that we innovated at the beginning of January for one of our teams is now across the entire company uh, like like a wildfire. You know, we've, we've almost moved ourselves completely out of base camp, for example, within a month. The circle thing, going back to the circle, you've got the customer in the middle, um, then you've got, and then all around it, what do you do? do you, let me visualise that, visualise that circle for me. So if you were to draw your business as a circle... Yep. Everything inside that circle is your business and everything outside that business is is other people's business or uh, joint ventures. I actually put them outside the circle because they're not my business. It's a part share in a business, so I don't count them. I count them as traffic. So everything outside the circle is like marketing, uh, things that, that push traffic into your business. But in the middle of your business, the heart of your business is another circle and that's your customer database and your support team. That's, they, they're exposed to every part of your business. Support team look after every part of it and the customer is able to move freely around your circle but still be close to that 
still be close to center. You don't want them leaving your business if possible. You want the lifetime customer. Once they're in the circle, they stay in the circle. So that means you can't do cheap tricks or nasty tactics like a lot of other marketers because they leave the circle and they don't come back. And Mm. you didn't just lose them for the part of the circle that they're experiencing now. You lost them for all the future purchases that they were going to make, but they're now not going to because they don't like you anymore. So, so with um, so do you then within that circle with the customer at the centre and your products all around the customer? Do you then do you build how, how many databases do you build? Do you then have one say, central database, but you segment it, and you can do that either using labels like a filing cabinet. Yep. Some systems like Office Autopilot or Infusionsoft have labeling, or you can do it using different lists within the one customer database center. So for my Aweber account, I have uh, customers on different lists depending on how far up the the product cycle they are, whether they're free or paid or whether they're recurring or, or single products. So I could actually identify, you know, which products that person has and at what level. And then there's the other database that I have is my shopping cart. Obviously, I can look up a customer record and see all the things that they own. And, and then, yeah, so they hop between. In fact, they'll almost, without knowing it, hop between lists. They do, and they don't know it because there's automation rules. Uh, they might click a confirm button, but that might not be obvious to them what's actually happening. So if somebody mm-hmm. is on a free podcast list, they'll probably stay on that list. I won't take them off. But if they if they go to my event in 2010 and then they go to an event in 2012, what Mm. will happen is when they sign up for the new event, they'll get a confirm message saying, uh, allow me to send you event updates. When they hit confirm, it adds them to the 2012 event and it removes them from the 2010 event. So now I know this is a fresh list. This is my very Mm -hmm. best customers, the most recent purchase, the most current customers in the database. Mm, Right. That would get complicated. It's actually rather simple, but it's just understanding what you're doing uh, in the first place. Just understand that you want to somehow tag your customers so that you know how they're moving about your business. Once you understand it and measure it, that's where the growth comes. See, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of marketers are obsessed and focused on, you know, 98% of their energy is on how they're going to make their first hundred bucks or, you know, their first 10 grand or their first hundred thousand. But where the real money is made, where the incremental hundreds of thousands come from is understanding this stuff and making very small pivots and adjusting things, changing that the growth engine for your business or changing the customer channel that you approach can have huge impact. And, and that's, that's what's happening to me. I'm starting new businesses that don't exist, say, in September or even October. And now they're already a successful six-figure per year profit center from, from nothing, just from like naught to 100 because I've been able to gather the data, build that relationship, introduce a new product and move people towards it and then boom, it takes off. You make it sound so easy. It is after seven years. <laughs> <laughs> so what's this concept of pivot? So it's in the book, The Lean Startup. Yeah. What's the pivot mean? All, all, look, the whole point of this book is simple. You go to the market with the minimum possible product, mm-hmm. so about not being a perfectionist, because if you do that, you're not having any waste. Once you put the product out there, you find out what value the customer places in that product. 
And if they place a value in it, find out what that value is. It may be something that you thought it was. It may not be. They might like a little bit of the product or they might want more than your whole product. So you could have a zoom in pivot where you zoom in on one part of the product and throw away the rest or a zoom out pivot where you pull back and add more things to the minimum viable product to make it a bigger product. So that's two types of pivot, but there are other pivots as well. You might have a customer channel pivot where you say, oh, listen, we've been serving the business to business market, but we should be business to consumer, or you might go the other way. So really it's just about um, building something, going out to the market, measuring the results and seeing what you can learn from that and then deciding, should we do more of that or should we make a substantial change, come up with a new hypothesis and then go again. And if you if you take the approach that you're continually in that startup mode, like I do, you're always putting out minimum viable products and, and making pivots or, or persevering. So in just the last month, I've released my custom website business. I've released my low price um, done for you website business. I've released my brand new blog with my daily short posts and I've got new products rolling out like my wealthification product, Fast Web Formula Community and Speed Dash. They're all all coming through the system. And as they come to market, I measure the feedback. So I've already got private users using all of those products. They tell me their feedback. I see what I can learn from that. And then I decide what I want to change and then I move forward. So it's this continual optimizing process. One of the examples that comes to mind with this whole notion of pivot is, you know, you know how much energy and focus both me and, and you put into building my marketing communications masterclass that I ran last quarter of last year. And, um, you know, it, that sits there. It, you know, it's, it's still golden content. It's still kind of, um, you know, it hasn't dated, but I haven't pivoted on it either. And, you know, things that are going through my mind, um, you know, with that are, you know, I know there's a couple of sections in that masterclass of 15 hours that have more um, people like more than others. So maybe I should do something with them. I guess that's a pivot. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. Um, and, 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 another, and another thing that I've, uh, I've observed and done nothing about is the fact that um, who I thought might have bought it uh, may still buy it, but it actually... It's even better. It's actually a good training product. So, for example, what am I saying there? I talk to groups of CEOs about their marketing on a monthly basis, and I pitch that masterclass to them, and very few buy it, right? And I think, yeah, God, you guys, you don't know what you're missing. Um, what I'm missing is the fact that I'm pitching it wrong, <laughs> and here I am revealing my well, strategy no, on yeah, air. No, but that's okay. You might not, um, but, but um, you might be pitching it to the wrong person. Correct. No, no, I'm pitching it. I think I'm pitching it to the right person, but I'm pitching it wrong. And I'll tell you where the pitch should be, and I just got to get around to doing this, is um, it's actually very good training for whoever does that CEO's marketing. Yes. Right? Well, we saw this with so Traffic this- Grab. One of my biggest audiences was business owners or, or marketers buying it for their team. Because we, you know how we decide, we figured that out because we were getting a lot of support requests saying, can I share this with my team member, with my, yeah, my right. staff? Because yeah. we have a little IP blocker that stops people accessing it from a whole bunch of different IPs, you know, to stop theft. And we say, yep. sure. 
uh, and we, we make it available for their team. And so now then we go into the product, learning from this, it's what we learn. And we say, if you want to share this with uh, people from the same company, ask us uh, and we'll free up the, uh, the IP blocker or we can create a new email account. We say to people, set up another email address from the same business and, and send us the details and we'll create an account for you. And that's a real value add. But here's what I want to point out. And this, this also comes from the Lean Startup. You're probably measuring the success of your masterclass in financial terms, but that's not the real that's not the real um, asset that you get from it. What you get is you get a learning outcome. You've learned something and now the success of this product can be enhanced by you taking that learning and making the adjustments. In particular, you might pull one or two of the most popular modules out and put them into your sales copy and uh, use the, the highlights from that and do what I did with the A-class people. Go to the customers who purchased it and say, what was the, what was the one thing that really impressed you the most about this product? And get their words and put that back on the sales page as the testimonial, like in inverted commas, and see if, if you can appeal, you know, that's changing the pitch. But you might need to also consider who, you know, what other marketing channels are suitable for this particular product. And I'm sure there's many, many things that could happen when you pivot. You know, with Traffic Grab, how you pivoted, well, you recognised that people were buying it as a training product for their marketing team. Um, did you then go and drop the sales page that you had for Traffic Grab and redo it, um, positioning it as a as um, a training product? No, but I go, I go back into my community and I'll post, um, you know, Traffic Grab's great for helping your team understand the processes that you do. And that's give, giving people the idea that they didn't know they had. That's classic Steve Jobs. People don't even know what they want until you give it to them. And a, a lot of people would go, oh, of course, you know, I've got, I'm employing my staff, I should buy this and give it to them because... Traffic Grab was more or less the training document that we created for our own team, but expanded mm-hmm. into a product. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting just re-looking at it. It's a, they're not big shifts, you know, but what, you, what you're talking about with Traffic Grab and what I'm talking about with Masterclass, um, the difference is you've made the pivot. <laughs> yes, keep, and keep doing it and, keep, you know, keep refining the product. It, it's, it's the product itself is fine. I mean, look, the concept of, say, an automobile is still, it's like 100 years old, but it keeps yep. pivoting. It, it, there keeps being developments and changes that make it new and exciting for different customers. Mm. Mm. Interesting stuff. Uh, what else you got, mate? What's been the biggest surprise then uh, in that last month? So you've had a month now to reflect on all the changes you made. What's, um, what, what's happened that's pleasantly surprised you that you didn't expect? Probably one of the most exciting and interesting things for me is that um, I was. It's just how capable your team can be when you empower them properly. And my example for that is we were uh, reviewing our processes, and I was asking a question. Just one second, there's, there's, uh, we might need to edit this part, but a dog is making an enormous <laughs> amount of noise. One second. I can't even hear it. <laughs> I'll just uh, play some thinking music uh, as James goes and Wanna rescues count back the in? dog. That's all right, mate. No, no, I was just, uh, I was about to launch into some um, some uh, music, but we don't need to. <laughs> okay, good. so. Well, I couldn't hear the dog. Oh, I can. It's, it's having the greatest time of the bone ever. So selfish. <laughs> in any case, 
we're working at, at looking at our processes and seeing where we can um, streamline because we do a, we do a lot of streamlining. It's it's just always questioning our assumptions. How could this be improved? And we came up again with the same sort of thoughts that we we're having after reading the, the lean startup. We really want to reduce our batch sizes and we wanted a just-in-time article content system within our business. And the thing is, my managers actually understood the way that I think and they understood the, the question that I was asking. And unbeknownst to me, they went out on a Saturday to, they all met because they work at home, of course. They all met, they traveled to meet each other and they spent five or six hours sitting down, nutting out, the process to fix this um, snag in our system, to, to streamline it and make it work. And they just sat down until they figured it out and they documented it. They spent Sunday preparing it. And then on Monday, they announced it and rolled it out to the team with training meetings on GoToWebinar. And Tell me you got emotional when that when you found out about that. I, I, was, <laughs> I was. just so pr- I was just so proud and excited at the same yeah. time because... You know, I fly over there every quarter and sit down and, and we sit down face to face and we really develop the business into the next stage. But for them to do this as if I was there was just, it was just so cool because, you know, we are all working as a, as a team and for a common outcome, it's how can we better serve the customer and make it better for our staff as well. So, you know, it was just such a positive thing and, and they didn't ask for pay or anything. Of course, I, I paid them for the day's work when I found out about it. But the fact that they would organise it and just go to that next stage was one of the most surprising and delightful things of the last few weeks for sure. And and any one, any one particular product that's um, surprised and delighted you more than others or have they all done well? <laughs> They've really all done well. We we um, <laughs> got rid of our old web contractor at the beginning of the month because the work started to lag and uh, and we just couldn't get the level of design we wanted. It just wasn't inspirational enough. So we made the tough decision to let that go and we brought in our own team and I got five people who've been begging to do customer work and because of our old relationship I've held off and they've built all of my sites and uh, we basically switched on our own site. And, you know, within a week, we had the most beautiful looking sites to sell our work. I was so amazed because I was used to things taking longer and being difficult and they were just fast and good. And then we started taking orders and instead of two week turnarounds for mock-ups, we had them out the same day and I was just stunned. So our, our two new web development businesses have gone off to a roaring start and uh, it's been just the best thing ever. I should have ended the old contract a year ago. I was only holding on to it for relationships and I ended up getting my fingers burnt there anyway because they tried to uh, not only knock off my website copy but also email mm. my, my website database with their, with my own offer but to their company. So I've, I... Um, I'm very strict now on being in-house supply. I'm not doing uh, external contractor supply for anything anymore. Oh, I used to work for a creative director when I was in advertising. He said, Tim, you can have two of three. You can have quick, fast. You can have quick, fast or good, but you can only have two or three. It sounds like um, you offer quick, fast and uh, not quick, fast and good, uh, cheap, fast and good. 
Yes. Uh, you said you could have two or three. You That's can, what you, surprised me the most. So I it. was expecting that it would take us a bit of a run up. And I, I think basically because within our company, our culture is so strong now and they're so dynamic that, that you know, when I let them loose on the customers, the, the, of course, they were going to be match fit compared to a sloppy contractor who was just riding the gravy train. So it was so so heartwarming and exciting. Our web development business is more profitable in January than it was in December with, and we only had half the month with with my brand new team. But they, in you know, to put in perspective, they've built ten times as many websites as our old contractor, but only for me within our own hmm. business. So, yeah, right. They're, they're strong. Well, they're I must good. say, mate, I've used um, I've used your SEO service recently, and um, uh, wonderful customer service, wonderful. Uh, and that's from me, who's been asking Matt uh, a few questions in order oh God, to get what poor, I want right. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt and I are going to do a podcast in the future. <laughs> Keep you out of it. Uh, the, the, pod, the premise of the podcast will be Tim's got a million questions and Matt's got a million answers. Yeah. Um, but Matt, but, will, Matt um, will answer the questions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. So um, it is. It's lovely to um, get that, and that's that's just a simple lesson in itself. In in just in the way he responds and and d- does respond, timely response, um, and a re- and quite educational because some of the stuff that you offer, you know, if you're not if you're not selling it to a wholesaler and selling it straight to someone who may not um, have the complete know how, then um, the service is great. So, James, um, it's getting near to forty minutes, mate, and um, I'm sitting here thinking, what the hell? Do I write in the show notes to describe this episode? Um, and I'm not going to get too concerned about that. I'll let people figure it out themselves. I've got a suggestion. It, it, yeah, what? This is this is the one point I want to make that we haven't talked about, but is it's involved in everything that we've just mentioned, and that's um, small batch sizes. That's the concept, and it's it applies mm-hmm. to your holidays versus mine. It applies to our business innovations try and reduce the batch size down to small. So you have big holiday and then a, a big work batch and I have small hol- little mini breaks during the day and little mini work breaks. So I, I've got a faster rate. Same with the support. The reason our team are supporting so much better now is we've we've educated them on small batch sizes. I'd rather them update a ticket to say, we got your ticket and we're looking into it now than waiting until they get the answer two hours later and coming back with the oh, answer. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about rapid response time and small batches. And here's the example. You could have the ingredients to bake a big cake and you could put all the ingredients in the bowl and you could cook that one big cake and stick it in the oven. It could come out burnt. It could be perfect. It's a bit of a risk. Or you could put that mix into like 12 little cupcakes, stick the first few in, see how they turn out, get the oven just right, learn the process and then put the rest in and now you've got... of them are perfect, a lot less risk. You know, you can start eating the first ones before the other ones are even cooked. So small batch sizes, that's the biggest lesson that we've had in our business. How can we reduce things down into very small steps? And the ultimate case study for me has been my blog Mm. posts where I'm I'm doing a blog post every single day because I don't use pictures, I don't have big lengthy posts. I'm just doing a little tiny post. They're so small that they're easy. They take me five minutes and the customers are loving it. They're saying, I love these small posts. They're easy to read. They're easy to consume. And over a year, I'll have 365 blog posts 
versus saving up and doing like 10 big ones or, or five mega You're not big doing ones. Project 365, are you? No, I'm probably doing like Project 500. I'll do more than 365. <laughs> you are the Seth Godin of, uh, of the internet, although he's off well, the internet Well, I think Seth well. Godin's the Seth Godin of the internet. He is, isn't he? But, yeah, you know, yeah, I can't correct. tell you how many times I've got his post for the day and I've resonated with yep. the idea behind it. But I know. Uh, I, I, mine is definitely not, it's not the same content as his. It's my own thoughts and it could be crap. I don't know. I don't care either. I'm just doing it because I think it's a good habit and discipline to build up. Hey, Shramko, it's been a pleasure to get back out on the ocean with you. Um, we'll make it a regular date. Um, in fact, we will uh, we'll hit stop very shortly, listeners, and James and I, the first thing we'll do is get our diaries out. So um, welcome back, mate. Thank you for sharing. Anyone uh, who is interested in following up anything we've spoken about, including uh, what James has to offer, what I have to offer. If you want to get transcripts of the show, go to freedomocean.com and it is all there waiting for you. And by the way, mate, just one last point. I noticed our list doubled uh, over the last sort of six weeks. Um, I went into Aweber a couple of days ago and um, it's gone from about, um, about 600 to about 1,100. Which is a good thing. Well, that's nice, isn't it? It is nice. <laughs> it's one of those little things it's that nice. creeps up on you. Yeah, it's nice to reveal those numbers too because, um, you know, sometimes people can, uh, I don't know, you never know what people are thinking and it's always good to kind of share the raw data to get a, give people a sense of um, what we're building. Well, if I go into analytics, on, I'll be able to tell you the where they came from. Well, go on, do that. Well, do, you want me to, do you want me to sing? Or you, how long you is that going to take? Now, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> saying, we, no, no. we do track such things, which is nice. We do. And, and we it's, do. That's my immediate thought is I wonder where they came from and I'll see if it's something we could repeat. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a good idea. Repeat it. Repeat it by next episode, please. <laughs> and, um, and, and for those who are wondering, if you are um, a, a regular listener of the show, I'm slowly improving my rankings as marketing speaker in Google in Australia. So that's a good thing as well. Uh, not quite where I want to be. Marketing keynote speaker, I'm number three on page one, but marketing speaker, I'm still um, still a couple of pages back, but coming forward. So that's a good thing. Um, and once I get onto page one, I'll re- re- will reveal exactly what I did. Oh, it's five o'clock. <laughs> All right, mate. It's been a pleasure. All righty. See you next time. Thanks, Timbo. See you, James. Thanks for diving into the Freedom Ocean with James Schramko and Tim Reed. You've just come that little bit closer to living the life you choose. Please keep in mind that the ideas, opinions, and information shared in the show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of their past employers. And as far as future employers go, well, they're both pretty much unemployable. Ha, 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 ha,